0: Love is this Oh my soul Oh my soul
1: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another very special, solemn Lenten edition of Ignite Radio Live.
2: Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, you are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter and our wonderful guest, whom we will introduce soon, but just delighted to be with you. And Greg, I have to ask, who is that artist?
1: Oh, Josh Gerls, one of our favorite artists.
2: Do you know who he sounds like singing this song a little bit? Who? you can probably not be happy. Who? Like Elvis meets somebody. Well, <laughs> Elvis quite. isn't bad,
1: depending on sure. who's listening. Josh is a philosopher, writer, poet, musician, all combined into one. He is a very thoughtful musician. If you guys haven't heard of him, his reflection is amazing uh, on the Christian life, on the faith. He's not—you um, won't find him with a contemporary Christian label. Um, I kind of consider that a good thing um, because he reaches people beyond that. But uh, just— I don't know. His sound and his style is entirely him. Anyways, this song, What Wondrous Love Is This, of course, great in this first week of Lent, focuses us on the cross, right? It focuses on the suffering that Jesus endured. And it's worth right out of the gates considering, do we still have the wonder? Do we still look upon the cross, hopefully in our homes and in church, with wonder, or is it kind of become just a fixture an art fixture that we you know like all the rest of the furniture we're looking at a guy a man who who died a, a gruesome death add the the creator of the universe who took on flesh and blood to do that add for you and me And he would do it all over again for each of us. What love is this? Well, that is love. It's laying down our lives for the good of another. And we're going to focus on that theme tonight, folks. We're going to unpack, seek to more fully unpack, what is the nature of love? And it's appropriate that we discuss this in Lent. It's appropriate that um, we particularly focus on love from the standpoint of the surrender aspect, the laying down aspect, the Jesus, the God of the universe, who, uh, you know, his friends abandoned him. Um, who endured great suffering, of course. And, And tonight, in a particular way, again, the nature of love, we want to tie that into marriage. We want to tie that into sexuality. We want to tie that into God's fashioning us to participate in him who is love. And of course, it's not just this drudgery of sacrifice, but it's a joy-filled sacrifice. It's, it's that all who come after me must deny their very selves, take up their cross and follow. Whoever keeps his life will lose it. Whoever loses it for my sake will gain it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will gain it. There's a mystery, a wondrous mystery, in us discovering the joy that comes from sacrifice and God desires to make his love known in this great mystery through marriage through husband and wife, through man and woman, in a very particular way. So we're going to talk about that. I'm going to open us in prayer, and then Steph's going to give us some announcements, and we're delighted tonight to introduce our guests, who will share with us along those theme lines. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, we're so blessed by this word that we've learned, real. We hear in the inner city streets used to be, to keep it real, And reality TV, people yearning for more than being bamboozled, Uh, so much um, manufactured existence that surrounds us, a digital universe, 3G universe, we're yearning for real, we're yearning to connect with the real Lord, each of us yearning for real, and in the midst of all this, you give us real presence, your very body and blood, soul and divinity present to us. You took on flesh and blood, and you're present to us in the Eucharist. And you invite all of us right now, God, to meet us where we're at, to uh, open our hearts and our minds, and to be true to the reality of where we're at individually, in our marriages, in our families, the struggles, the crosses that you've given us. Because you meet us in the reality. You don't meet us in the fabricated, you meet us in the reality. And we give you permission to meet us, God to uh, invade us, Lord, in this Lenten season and to draw us deeper into your love, which is the ultimate purpose, intimacy with you. We ask all this in your name through Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: Amen. Um, Just a few announcements. Uh, there's an Ignite that's probably just finishing up in St. Peter, Huron, uh, just uniting our prayers with them because God is outside of time. So he will honor that. Tomorrow at Most Blessed Sacrament, February 21st at 6 p.m., is a Spark, which is a meal with a message, and they utilize the Lit Gathering Guide, um, which you can find at massimpact.us.
1: What is the Lit Gathering Guide? I'll tell you in a second. Okay, great.
2: Tomorrow also, February 21st, at 7 p.m., there's an Ignite at Holy Trinity um, in Swanton or Assumption. I'm not quite sure why it's interchangeable. But our dear friends at Holy Trinity, Father Mike D'Andrian, February twenty first, seven P.M. Go worship the Lord in such a beautiful, beautiful way. Our Eucharistic Lord and they have confessions. And of course, we've been talking about um, a larger Lenten Ignite, March twentieth. So mark mark your calendar for that. It will take place at Lord's University beginning at six fifteen with more information to follow. So the Lit Gathering Guide again can be found along with other resources. At MassImpact.us. And it's a way that we invite families or groups or um, spouses, friends to come together to talk and to pray. And it's based on the upcoming Sunday readings for Mass. And Um, just a guide to kind of help you through it. You can do all of it or a little bit of it, or we encourage you to make it your own, whatever works best for you, but just a a beautiful gift to embrace the treasures of the church and to come together and build community and faith in that way. Um, Mass impact is all about building personal family and parish um, transformation, discipleship, just renewal. So we encourage you um, to check that out. We encourage you to talk to your priests and, Um, get those resources in your parishes Uh, our organization mass impact or image trinity it's also referred to under the umbrella of um, we love to come in and do parish missions or talks with um, different groups of people there or the the parish staff so keep us in your prayers first and foremost and uh, also spread the word at this beautiful gift that we have been entrusted with
1: so, folks, tonight, again, the cross, Lenten uh, season, do we look at the cross and do we think love? And do we recognize that there is the icon of love poured out? And even more, do we look at marriage and do we embrace marriage as an icon of the Trinity, mutual self-giving love. So tonight in the studio, we are very blessed. You may hear a little beautiful noise in the background coming I over the microphone. Do. I do too. little Naomi, eight-month Naomi, is going to kick the mic for us tonight. She's awesome. Blessed to have Naomi. And she just was delightful enough to bring her parents with her tonight. So we <laughs> have woman. Joe and Dora Hunyer with us. How are you guys doing tonight, Joe and Dora?
3: Doing very well. How about yourself?
1: Very good. good. Welcome. Awesome. So Joe is 28, and Dora is 27. They've only been married a year and a half. And I will say, looking at the stats, they've taken a very different approach to dating and marriage than most of the world, and I venture to even say many who uh, approached marriage in the Catholic Church. So that's just to pique your interest. We're going to get to that story very shortly. But before we do... We get to start at the very beginning because it's a very good place to start, as you all know. And um, and as we talk about this, Roman uh, Revelations twelve eleven, let that be burned into our minds. The enemy is active. The enemy is active. We read in the papers, in our community, in our marriages, in our families, in our own souls. And how is the enemy defeated? It says very clearly by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of our testimony so we 're blessed to have Joe and Dora to share with us a little bit of their journey and their testimony and what is the what are the the dynamics of that testimony? How do they make Christ known? Well, because every testimony has these same movements of Christ himself, life, death, and resurrection, which is ongoing for all of us, each of our testimonies and We invite you tonight again to just as they share be attuned to this movement in your own life. How are you experiencing? Life, death, and resurrection. Maybe the encouragement for any of you tonight is to recognize, in the midst of whatever death is going on uh, at work, with uh, in your marriage, in your family, God is in it. God is in it. God is in it. He's working transformation out. It's the whole meaning of the Mass. It's where grace flows from, and connect with that. That's what we're all about as a movement—to connect our humanity, our marriages, our families with Christ's very presence and life death and resurrection and pentecost so um with no further ado ladies first if it's possible just work with us here folks as we're taking care of little naomi also but uh dora tell us a little bit about your background and kind of coming to personally know and live for christ in the fullness of our catholic faith
0: sure so um i grew up in a beautiful family of 10 children
2: awesome
0: yeah and i had um Beautiful parents who are very strong Catholics and you know raised us all in the Catholic faith. And where do you fall in ten? I'm the second oldest. Okay,
2: so oh. <laughs> Greg's cheering because that's yeah. his place.
0: That's Joe's the second oldest too. Oh, so we, we keep joking. I'm that, the second, second youngest. youngest. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> we keep joking that our second baby is going to be our favorite. So.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cover your ears! There. If you hear crying any moment now. You'll know why. <laughs>
0: um, but so I I grew up, you know cradle Catholic. And, um, I think I had that same journey that any cradle Catholic has where, um, you know, just making the faith my own because, Mm. you know, you grow up in it and it's, it's one thing going through the motions and learning stuff and hearing stuff from your parents. But then, you know, at some point you really have to make it your own. And so um, I was blessed to be part of a group called Challenge in high school, mm. and um, you. I, you know, we we did retreats and stuff, and that really helped me to um, to to make that very personal for me and to develop that personal relationship with Christ. So um, <clears throat> then after high school, you know, I went through a period of you know de- where my faith was challenged. And um, you know, I went through a, a period of doubting, um, but ultimately that brought me that that I guess deepened my search mm. and brought me even closer to Christ in the end, and and for a, a much a much deeper appreciation and love for the Catholic faith and just the fullness of the truth that you can find in the Catholic Church.
1: So, so. you may have mentioned this, but you're, you were homeschooled. Yes. And um, you, I assume, had through church and through just life experience, exposure to perhaps what a lot of your peers were dealing with through those adolescent years and high, high school and post-high school years. Um, what thoughts did you have as you coming from this faith-filled Catholic homeschooling atmosphere environment, what thoughts did you have as you new friends maybe, who were dealing with the stuff and the junk. How did you process that as a young woman?
0: You know, it was it was a challenge for me because I, at that age of my life, like most people at that age in their life, just wanted to be accepted.
3: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, you just want people to accept you, and um, you have a lot of insecurity. And so I really was not... Um, I guess as uh, definitely not as stable as I am now with my beliefs and, and why I believe what I believe, but I had that foundation of that relationship with Christ that I knew that this was wrong, you know, and this this was right, and that helped keep me, you know, for the most part on the right track. I definitely stumbled, um, but um, it was it was definitely. It, it was a challenge for me, and I, you know, with being homeschooled, um, there's. I think you know, my parents had a little bit more control over how much of that I was exposed to. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you're exposed to it, mm-hmm. right? In this, in this, in this age, you know, in some
1: way, commercial or friend's anything, house or you know. something. Oh, yeah. 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 Did you have any growing up resentments, maybe at their control? Uh, you know, not even necessarily immorality but just I don't know opportunities to do or go thing, go to places after which you were kind of maybe glad like did you rebel against homeschooling any of that
0: I never rebelled against homeschooling and you know through high school I was never rebellious it was probably when I was turned like 18 mm-hmm. like 17 18 around that age after high school that I started being like you know I'm an adult now I can do what I want and Be you old, know I'm 18 <laughs> yeah yeah, if and
2: we heard that. We're going to absorb <laughs> some <laughs> wisdom. I know. Tell us. Going on.
0: Yes. So um, I definitely had that, that period of rebellion. It, mm-hmm. I think it just came a little bit later for me than it does for a lot of kids. Um, and I was definitely still a kid, you mm-hmm. know. But I didn't realize that, you mm-hmm. know. And I had a lot of growing up to do. And looking back on it, obviously now I can see why my parents were the way that they were and why they restricted me the way they did. And I'm so grateful. Mm -hmm. I am so grateful because um, I know that even with their strictness in a lot of ways, um, I still was exposed to stuff that I wasn't mature enough to handle. And um, I still did stuff that I regret deeply. And But I know that without their guidance and their support, I, it would have been much worse, mm-hmm. so much worse.
1: We have to give a shout Beautiful. out to your parents. What are their first names?
0: Carl and Kim.
1: Carl and Kim. Shout out to you, Carl and Kim. Thank you for your exemplary witness. And just this testimony moves my heart, obviously, mm-hmm. as a parent. Uh, Steph and I have six children. Um, so obviously, let's use the metaphor of a compass. Um today the world we postmodern deconstructionism all these fancy terms that essentially mean that you can make it up as you go along it's all what you feel it's all what you think it's all your experience who can tell you what to believe those lines of the road those are optional in the moral world you can erase them create them but after 20 30 40 years people are have been thinking they can create those own lines they've been smashing into the berms at 60 miles an hour and their cars are really broken and I think a lot of them are now looking for you know they wouldn't use this language but they're recognizing there is a compass, there's a shape. You can't, as C.S. Lewis said, break the law, only break yourself against it. So your parents did something, it seems, even more than give you the faith and the truth of the faith and an experience. They, in their parenting, um, seem to have that great skill of letting you own it yourself. Like somehow in the midst of all that, you were able to inherit that, hey, this isn't just moms and dads mm-hmm. kind of protective, insecure little Property, but something that they wanted you to own for yourself and see as a good for yourself. Is mm-hmm. that fair to say that they?
0: Yeah, absolutely, you know. absolutely.
1: On to you, Joe. So, Joe, tell us about j- your j- back. J- Joe. By the way, Joe, we <laughs> we, we, we applaud Joe. He's an he's an EMT a parrot, What are you? Fireman EMT. Firefighter paramedic. Superstar hero is what I hear That's in right. that phrase. That's what I heard. <laughs> Very awesome. <laughs> Uh, so, very excited, up. that's right, all paramedics out there, first responders, amazing, we're in good shape if I go into cardiac arrest. All right, so, um, <laughs> which I don't know why I would, I Joe, yeah, doing. I don't know, Joe, so it's awesome to have you here, the, the delight here folks, it's just great, you, you guys may or may not experience this, but when you're with people who love God, that are seeking Him, not pronouncing Him perfect to us, but just, there's a resonance there. Anyways, so Thank Joe, so you're me. 28, take us back to the beginning with you, how did you come to know and live for Christ and the fullness of our faith?
3: Well, uh, I am the second oldest of six children. Uh, I was also homeschooled uh, growing up, but I entered public school at eighth grade, and I went through high school. Kind of growing up, the foundation of of what I received um, in the faith is I think what a lot of cradle Catholics kind of receive. Kind of handed down, you know, the the Ten Commandments. You you learn about your faith, um, which is a good thing. It's very needed, Um, but I feel so many of us are really... We we don't we haven't been able to witness that true authentic life of giving to Christ mm. and um, that that conversion of heart. Um, <clears throat> so a lot of a lot of my faith growing up was was kind of more or less trying to follow the rules, um, which I think kind of describing them as, as rules is really does this, does them an injustice because I think they're more guidelines yeah. um, for how we can become the best person which God intends us to to be. Um. So,
2: can I ask real quick? Yeah. Sorry to interrupt your train of thought. What was that transition like from being homeschooled into the public school? Round. I was
1: going to say, talk about apocalypse.
3: <laughs> yeah. It. It. It really. It wasn't too bad. Um. I was involved with sports in the little league growing mm-hmm. up, so a lot of those people that I went to school with I already knew I had a mm-hmm. relationship with. Um. So really, the transition was just more. Um. I guess you're waking up and, and going to school right, at the same right, right. time every day, you know, <laughs> right. occasionally you know, you're feeling sick or if, if mom's under the weather or something, you mm-hmm. might start a little bit later or maybe you're feeling a little more rambunctious and right. try to, <laughs> try to go against uh, doing anything at all.
1: Is that what they've been doing?
2: <laughs> John Paul, why are you smiling? No.
3: <laughs> um, so, you yeah, know, growing, growing up and then entering in, into a public school, um, that's kind of how I, I lived my faith was just I would follow, you know, kind of the rules and, and I figured, you know, well I, I go to church, you know, I try to try to follow the Ten Commandments, you know, I, I'm I'm a good person as opposed to truly opening up my heart and trying to live for Christ. Yeah. You know, looking back now, um, like I said, it, it, it's needed, it has its place, but ultimately living solely by the rules is what the Pharisees did. Right. They became so fixated upon living the rules that they failed to recognize Christ himself in front of them which is, unfortunately, so often what many of us do in our own right, spiritual absolutely. life, and our own journey. Um, so because of that, sometimes I would kind of maybe push the lines on some things. I'd maybe move that line of like, well, you know, and especially in relationships, well, I'm I'm still saving myself for marriage, so maybe you can do other things, get away with them, and you're, you're still a good person. Um, but ultimately, throughout my entire life, my my journey of faith, I really really started observing where things weren't right by looking back at relationships and how almost every relationship would last about a month a month and a half mm-hmm. i'd be, I'd find myself kind of going through the same things same habits and then just stopping thinking like this is this is not what I want um, and i I really think that it was ultimately the Holy Spirit calling me in my conscience just saying hey this this isn't what you this is this isn't what I want for you. This isn't what you truly want at its core. Um, so, and, and not trying to take anything away from my parents, I I'm very thankful for um, for what they've what they've given me, how they've helped me grow. Because those are things that that are very that are very needed. Yes, mm-hmm. and some people need that more strict, you know, hard fast by the rules foundation before they can end up journeying elsewhere.
1: So uh, thank you for that, Joe, and just giving us that portrait, and even for our listeners to be mindful that this is attainable. This is attainable, and families are meant to, to create such an atmosphere um, of encounter. We do it imperfectly as parents, but God wants it to happen. And, uh, you know, to really ask the question, I think, even of parents, um, what does God want? You know, what does God want? Because what he calls us to, he does provide for, and we've got living examples of that here, and Joe and Dora still working it out and, you know, starting a family a uh, year and a half into it. Um, very beautiful. But what is the role, as you guys were growing up, of supportive community and friends? What role did it play to have people that you could talk with about some of these things and, uh, and be encouraged and or, along with this question, did you ever feel maybe alone um, or alienated somewhat in the commitments, especially say in the public school.
3: Um, I wouldn't say that I really felt alienated. Um, some of uh, how I lived my faith was very prideful, and I used to take pride in that. Well, I'm I'm waiting till marriage. Mm. You know, I I failed to realize what that meant, um, and just became fixated, just mostly on you know, in a way, being different and and being. Going kind of against the grain, but it was more or less for that self, you know, or for that, you know, going against the grain, mm-hmm. not truly saving myself because, you know, I I want to be open to love and how we're called to love. Um,
1: what I love about that show, though, is even at the basic level of rules, a parent pointing to a young child who points up at the oven or stove top and says pretty... You know, it's red, it's fluorescent. And the parent simply says to them, you know, don't touch. The kid has no idea, right? Um, Has no idea that it could burn their finger or whatever. And uh, the parent might even be louder if the child keeps reaching or maybe even slap the hand out of concern. And the child learns, okay, I I may not touch that. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Um, But it does result in the good of life and the good of relationship and the good of our nature. Um, And I think that's a good message for parents to hear also, but I also love not just also it's filled out Um, as Christ was the fulfillment of the law. I think it can't be better put than what I think is the thesis of Pope Benedict's Jesus of Nazareth trilogy, the heart of religion and ritual is relationship that the heart of the rules is relationship. And maybe that's a message for parents who maybe feel a starchiness with the rules or kids who maybe feel, you know, um, Disparaging, if you will, they don't want to be robots. They want to be individual. They want to be their own person. All the lies that are whispered to us uh, of go at it on your own, Um, be an be unique. As we see the breakdown of so many things for people who just radically follow that apart from the rules, but there's a different message, and that is, you know, there's God, who's the heart of this, fosters that relationship, that there is a joy that is in the heart of following the rules that ought to be um, if we encounter Christ in the relationship. Let's go to the... So, they meet. We have Joe, we have Dora. Share with us a little bit about the the roots of your relationship and how it bloomed. I wish you could see
2: their smiles right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She's like, which story, which version? (laughs) Can
3: (laughs) you start us off a little bit here?
0: Yeah, well, um, we met each other in high school through mutual friends and um we kind of had the same group of friends in high school so we you know we spent a lot of time together but it was always in that group setting so we we never really got to know each other personally super well um and then after high school you know the group kind of fell apart and so we didn't really talk to each other as as much um and then, was it maybe four four years ago? Um, yeah, I think four years ago. Four years ago, um, we were throwing a surprise birthday party for my sister. And I was going through her Facebook friends and I saw him and I was like, I haven't seen him in forever. I bet he would love to come. And Aww. so <laughs> that um, was a
2: prompting of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Right? Yes. But no
1: romantic was, vibe, just friendship. No, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: And and that was the other thing is we had, you know, when we were hanging out, we had always been dating some, you know, either he was dating someone or I was dating somebody. So I don't think there was ever really that um, interest. Um but then once we reconnected, it was kind of like that. There was definitely an interest there because we were at very different places in our lives, and I just remember seeing him. Um, I asked him, you know, like how how are you? Like how have things been? Like what's going on? And you know,
1: translation: he, Are you dating anybody?
0: <laughs> well, no, the, his his response to me was, um, you know, just. Just trying to grow in holiness. And I was oh, like, wow.
2: <laughs> oh. That is different. Wow. Like, that is... Yeah,
3: only need single guys out there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the ultimate pickup line, holiness. <laughs> That's awesome.
2: That's so awesome. Why didn't you say that, Greg? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> go ahead. He was speechless, people. I was. Sorry, Dora. So, go ahead.
0: No, no, you're fine. Um, but so that re- kind of uh, restarted our friendship and. Um, we kind of spent that summer, again, just, you know, with friends, kind of getting to know each other again, and um, then that fall, um, he we, we started spending a little bit more time just um, one-on-one doing stuff, and so then he asked me if um, I would discern a relationship with him.
1: Pause. Another great. Do you have your train of thought? More points. Because I don't want to steal it from you. So, do you want to discern a relationship with me? That is so countercultural. Yes. Because a lot of them, it's, hey, you and me, me, Tarzan, you, Jane, let's hook up. I'm just sorry. Sorry. I mean, the world today. Others, it's, hey, let's go out. Will you date me? And then it has a whole set of assumptions between them that we know that that means. Tell us what that meant in your mind both of your mind when you said discern a relationship, do you both understand what that meant? What did it mean?
3: Um, So what it meant to me is that, you know, we wanted to discuss, you know, where we felt that the Holy Spirit might be calling us um, if we were called to be in a relationship together and to really sit down and talk about everything and anything before we got into the relationship so that we had an idea of our past and our future what we wanted, where we struggled, um so we truly knew each other going into it, and then um we really just let the Holy Spirit take it from there um that's that's kind of how we how we discerned
1: who formed you for that i mean there's you're jason Everett, there's parents, there's theology of the body it's a,
3: I think it's a fancy word I heard one day on the radio <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding go Catholic no reading. um so I have an older brother who uh was at one point in his life really not living the faith and I had a close call on a fire and really kind of opened his eyes and and he had gone he's he's currently in the seminary again but he had gone in there and and some of it really has to do with maybe talking with him during key moments in my life and really being able to open up and and try to understand a little bit of of things that I should be doing in my life and then ultimately being open up to, to doing those. Mm-hmm.
1: So you're 25, 26 years old at this point, Joe, so maybe 2014 or 15 roughly? It was
0: 2014. Okay.
1: Yep. So Dora, um, he approaches about discerning the relationship. Uh, what was your internal response, and what were you thinking about that?
0: So I had um, been through a a four-year relationship prior to him. It had been a couple years since I'd been out of that relationship, but um, since then, I was really not interested in just another worldly relationship. I knew that if I was going to get into a relationship again, it was going to be centered on Christ. And that, you know, I tried it the other way and it didn't work. And it wasn't worth the pain and, you know, the heartache that, that goes with that. And that, um, you know, I wanted to do it right this time. And, um, I had gone out on dates with a lot of guys in between that time, but I always knew that this isn't what I'm looking for, you know? Um, and so we actually were just talking about this and I was telling him, you know, if you had just straight up asked me out, I don't know what I would have said to you. (laughs) So, um, I mean, I liked him as a person, but I didn't know him personally well enough to yeah. to know, you know, fully where he was in life, yeah. you know, what he was looking for. And so him asking me if I would discern a relationship, and he actually asked me if I would be willing to pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet every day, um, you know, awesome. for, for a few weeks just to kind of, you know, and, and to also talk about it and just see where we thought that the holy spirit was calling us
1: so folks to give this kind of an image we've shared this before but of course the triangle god the father son and holy spirit at the top god is love god is life all wound up at the top and our we've been designed and fashioned for him right in our whole pursuit of life is to be brought back to that great intimacy with him for eternity in heaven. So if you draw the lines from the from the triangle down to each left and right, you've got Dory, you got Joe, and I'm I'm hearing you guys both recognize by God's grace that that line to each other is the furthest distance apart and there's not much intimacy there. You're both kind of gauging each other and saying, "Hey, are are you are you looking up to God? Is that your number 1?" Mm-hmm. And uh and agreeing that that's the number 1 and then saying, "You know, we need to open our hearts and our minds to how we see each other in light of him. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it is a twofold thing. It's easy for one person to say, I want that, but together to say, Lord reveal to us together. And we avail ourselves to your will. It's less a selfish thing. Maybe to contrast this by the rest of the world based upon limited criteria. Well, she's attractive. Mm -hmm. Other words, or I like the personality. There's more to it than just being attracted to somebody physically to be attracted to their personality, and even to be attracted to their spirituality. Those three things are not, uh, are not sufficient to date somebody. They're not sufficient to be married to somebody. Again, to be attracted to somebody physically, to their personality and their spirituality, still is missing the criteria of, God, have you made it clear that you are in this? So how awesome at the outset that you guys are setting yourselves up for saying, we don't want it to be about us. We want it to be about God.
2: And just the whole basis of friendship first, you Mm -hmm. know, getting to know each other on important things, not surfacey things, Mm -hmm. but like a deeper communication is so key and so beautiful and um, foundational, really. I think too often, and I'm sure you guys would agree with this, unfortunately, so many couples, in particular younger couples, when they start to date just because of that attraction to one of those things that you just mentioned, Greg, or all three, and, you know... Enter the physical realm, mm-hmm. you know, even, you know, morally or whatever, it still clouds things. And, yes. um, and mm-hmm. just really, you don't have that. Um, what, what word am I looking for? Help. The, the clear vision. And I'm not, yes. I don't want to sound puritanical that any physical anything is, but that it's so much, so often out of order. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like and that missing the foundation, missing the, the strength. And then trying to figure out some of that other stuff. Yeah. Whereas the Lord, I think, speaks so clearly yeah. and most, m- we hear more precisely or more clearly when we do it in the right order.
3: Yeah, and I think part of the reasons to why we even came to that was both of us, I mean, had failed relationships in the past. You know, I had countless relationships that were just dead end. They weren't going anywhere. And I had basically tried it my way. And, and so I kind of started really, you know, taking my hand off the wheel and, and trying to, to do things properly. I went through the process of discerning whether or not I'm called to the priesthood and also you know marriage and it wasn't really until I thought of the discerned the third possibility, which is ultimately very rare, but the possibility of being called to single life and It was within a couple of weeks of starting that process that Dora and I reconnected so
2: so let's, you just, you prayed. So let's go back so to the I want to hear the conversation. Story. Sorry. Yeah, let's go back, <laughs> no, that's
1: great. Let's go back to the story. So you said, uh, are you open to discerning a relationship with me? Take us forward.
0: So um, I don't, I'm not sure how long after that, maybe a few days, maybe a week, but we went on a walk together and I was... I wasn't really sure at first where I was gonna go with this. You know, I knew, yeah, I can pray about it. That's easy I wasn't enough. either. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I love that he was taking that um, spiritual leadership. You know, that he was right, right. He was taking that initiative and saying, "This is what we need to do if we're gonna discern a relationship." And so I love that. Um, but I needed to know more, and so I. I was very uncertain just because I didn't know him really well, um, but I decided I didn't want it to just be, you know, about, do I f- feel like we can be together? Do I feel like we can work work things out? You know, do I feel like this is going to be a good relationship? I was like, I'm just going to, you know, I have all these questions. We're just going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it all. Um, and so... You know, I kind of had this list in my head of uh, we're going to talk about, you know, um, where he where we are in our in our faith lives, um, where we've been, you know, our journey. And um, because i I wanted to know that he knew who he was, that mm. he wasn't still searching Beautiful. for himself. Um, because I knew, you know, if ultimately we were going to be called to marriage, I wanted that strong foundation for our family, and um, you know, we talked about past relationships. We talked about, you know, what what we um, where where we'd been, and also where we wanted to be, what we wanted a future relationship to look like, and also, you know, what. I asked him, you know, what do you, how do you feel about sexuality within a relationship and, you know, within marriage and what are your views on that? And so it was just a very open, very beautiful conversation. And all of his answers just really took me back. Cause I thought I kind of had an idea of what he was gonna say, but I was just really taken back by his honesty and he wasn't trying to impress me. Mm. He was just, you know, honestly telling me how things were and it was, it was very attractive.
1: <laughs> so, folks, you're tuning into Ignite Radio Live uh, in this wonderful first week of Lent, where we're hopefully more fully discovering the nature of Christ, who is love, who fashioned us for himself, not just giving things up, but surrendering lesser things for greater, and how that is made present in particular in relationship between man and woman, that it's not sufficient just to be physically attracted or personality or spirituality, but we have a wonderful witness here with Joe and Dora sharing with us very authentically their background of coming from homeschooling families and faith-filled culture, which is so important, it's attainable, sharing with us candidly the challenges that they made and what great wisdom and maturity here in their mid-20s um, to uh, pose the question as discerning together God's will, all about God's will. By the way, why? Because God is the author of marriage, he invented it. It's his thing. He invented man and woman. And you know, are <laughs> we to think we can take that and and just you know, hey, thanks for the gift. I'm going to do my thing with it. And to think it's going to work, it's not. You know, study after study, story after story, taking the gift of God of our sexuality and marriage, the gift from our Creator, the Giver, and thinking I'm going to do my own thing with it and think it's going to work. You know, is just is ludicrous. So how beautiful for you guys to give the testimony to the joy, and I might imagine the horizon of conversation that you're able to have, the joy of the nature of your conversations. Your dates aren't comprised of sitting in front of TV or, or doing immoral things. There's, an, there's a joy, a delight. You're removed, I suspect, from jealousy. You're moved from the fear of, oh gosh, am I ever going to get married? I mean, the motives that may drive a lot of people to get married. He's just with his friends and doing his party thing, you know, his guy night, or she's doing her thing. So I'm just so moved at, at God's grace alive in you and the attainability. So you, you're into a couple weeks now of this discernment process. Take us further.
3: Um. So it was. I think it was about two or three weeks. Uh, We had discerned, and at that point I I had asked her because I felt that we kind of had an answer um, if she wanted to continue into a relationship then. We both knew that that meant, you know, I mean, ultimately a relationship needs to lead to marriage. If it's not leading to marriage, it's not worth your time. Say that again? If if it's not leading (laughs) to— No, I want to underscore it. Yes, say it again. Bold, asterisk. If if your relationship is not leading to marriage, it's not worth your time. Amen. Um, That being said, though, you know— even when you have past relationships that may not be good and you look back and and wish you hadn't done them, Christ can take those things and and help you grow in them. Yes. might help you prepare uh, for that future marriage.
2: That's good come out of all, right? Yes. Everything.
3: Um, So, you know, that discernment process, though, if I can touch on that again, um, I try to make sure that it was purposeful. We had things planned out, where we would go, what we would do so that we could talk and actually discuss it. We weren't distracted um, from anything. Um, cause it was, it was really important to get these, to get these answers, um, you know, just, and also to think of the questions, um, listen to our hearts and where the Holy Spirit was calling us. Um, you know, you, you Greg, you, you, uh, had said, uh, about, you know, people worrying about, you know, not being married or, and things like that, not being married. I kind of went through that, you know, I was, I always thought that I would be married around 18, 19, you know, have, <laughs> have an army of kids and, and here I am, you know, 24, 25 and, there's no prospects out on the feel, you know, like there's nothing. So, um, I kind of went through that anxiety of, yeah. of trying to find somebody, but, um, so anyway, into our, into our relationship, um, we still continued to discern that, um, because we knew that because we were going about it the right way, there's a possibility that we could be in each other's lives to strengthen each other for something that we might be called to a little bit farther down the line. Mm. Um,
1: and uh Let me break in a second, Joe. So in these two weeks, there's obviously these three levels of attraction between the two of you. And even more, they're animated by the Holy Spirit. You're discerning and experiencing them come alive so that it's his identity alive. So I'll call it kind of the butterfly factor of just that sense of, wow, I'm, I'm really like, this is all coming together for me. And, and it's, it's not just... um you know what I'm saying? Was that happening for both of you guys?
0: I think so. I'm going to use something that I heard on Catholic radio not too long ago. <laughs> but um, they they um, were talking about how when you are younger, you're easily swept off your feet because you're not stable and you don't know yourself as well. And, um, I think that was very true with us, but as you get older, it's falling in love is, um, a much more peaceful experience. It's not as dramatic and, um, because you know who you are, you're stable. And I think that was very true for us. You know, there definitely was all three levels of attraction. Um, but at the same time, there was just, just peace. You know, there wasn't that anxiety or um, not even anxiety, but just like those overwhelming emotions that just make, you know, judgment difficult or, you know, that clear vision difficult. Um, There was just a lot of peace because we knew that it wasn't in our hands. It was in God's hands and that he was going to take care of it. So. Regardless of what happened and where it went, as long as we could, you know, keep that peace in our relationship and you know keep our focus on him, it was gonna be okay and it was gonna turn out
1: well. Just a quick word also to any young people listening, we've shared this with our kids from the beginning. Stephanie and I, relationship developed in this Heart and Soul Ministries, this program we founded, like Net meets theology of the body teams of young people, Justin Fatika has been on the program, he's part of one of those original groups, and we would make the point that exclusively, to exclusively date means to exclude everyone else from consideration. And as you indicated, the point of dating is with marriage in mind, that is the point. If you're going to live a moral life, what do you lose by not being in an exclusive relationship? So we understood, and our kids really own this themselves, it's not even a rule, they get it, that to lock in and the intensity that can be involved there which is really a, ought to be a signal that, there's, that you're not doing it God's way. There's never intensity. There's never a sense of possessiveness. There's, there, none of that exists. It is what you're hearing from Joe and Dora, a sense of open to God's design, open to what he is breathing life into it. I, I just think a lot of kids today, a lot of them get locked into these intense, exclusive dating relationships. And what happens is they, they are uh, stunted in their maturity. They're stunted in cultivating qualities of, of confidence, of strength, of uh, anchoring in God that allows themselves to give themselves away, quite frankly. And then they string it along one after another, after another, after another, and they never cultivate those gifts. And, uh, and also, as you said, Dora, I like what you said that um, their, their discernment is cluttered because their emotions have not come, have, have been too much in the steering wheel instead of, so to speak, uh, maybe an engine. Um, The emotions are driving it and they're locked into a wrong sense of love is it does this butterfly thing in me. And what happens there is really a using of persons. I'm using this person. I'm really loving them or dating them so that they can give me this feeling and emotion. How long does that last? Well, we see what happens when people do that. So take us further um, into, if you will, your mutual awareness that, hey, this this is it. Um, God is calling us. And what happened then?
3: Well, um so I ended up uh, proposing to Dora. Um and actually uh, I did that uh, her sister had just gotten back in town um from was it basic? Um and uh we uh we went to adoration and I did it outside in the church parking lot and and much
1: longer after the discernment uh conversation.
3: About a year. I think yeah, about a year. Um she was uh she was still going through college, um, and uh, her Dora and her sister that uh, that's in the army they're very close. And uh, I was trying to plan it out so that she could be there. So, Aww, what a um, guy! So I I was able to actually time that up pretty well. And uh, she had gone to adoration with us, and I kind of gave her a heads up like, "Hey, I need you to stay in the chapel for like an extra five minutes <laughs> when we're when we're leaving." Like, fine. yeah. So. We entered into, uh, you know, the engagement period and, um, at that point, you know, we really started trying to, to, uh, learn more about, about marriage. I mean, we did that throughout our relationship prior, but we were like, all right, this is, this is it, you know, we got to get ready for the game basically. Um, we, we prayed, uh, one or two novenas, uh, for the engagement period and and also then for our our future marriage, Mm -hmm. um. And, uh,
0: we never stopped discerning.
3: No, we, we still never stopped discerning because we knew, I mean, at any moment, like I said, we, we could be called elsewhere. It's, it's not, you know, our will be done. It's, it's thy will be done. So.
1: Did you feel a gradual strengthening though of your identity as a married couple, if you will, along that journey? Did you feel strength?
3: Yes, for sure. You know, and, um. We were both both on board, you know, for for waiting until marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, but as with every every couple, it, I mean, I don't think it comes easy. You know, you know, right. you know what what's at the end of, of that long race, basically, when you get to marriage. And you know, we, God designed us for marriage. He designed our sexuality, so those those urges are good, holy. Yes. They're holy. Mm-hmm. But when you act upon them outside of marriage, they can really take a toll on a relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and so we were, we were able to, you know, to, uh, to achieve that goal that we wanted to, but it was, I mean, it was definitely a struggle. Um,
2: Which is a beautiful thing. because If you're not
1: struggling, there's another problem altogether. Right? <laughs> yes. That's yeah.
3: right?
1: So, you know, right? Joe, I want to just, uh, with a limited time, I want to grill you guys with some good edgy questions that people who are listening right now may be asking. So you've got this time of engagement. You're preparing for marriage, and as you say, it's a deepening of discernment. So somebody may be thinking, yeah, it's like, you know, trying on a pair of shoes so you know they fit. So come on. Uh, like most of the culture, 90% plus, Why aren't you living together? Why aren't you being sexually active to see if you're quote-unquote compatible?
3: So if you don't mind, I'll I'll kind of lean this one up. Um, Because we've kind of talked about this before a little bit. And uh, after, you know, after being, you know, after a few few days after being married, we're kind of like, we kind of realized what it was all about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, also a few months into it. But anyway, I wanted to give everything I possibly could to Dora. We're in this marriage. I want to learn everything together. I want new experiences with her because she's one that I'm going to be experiencing things that I've never experienced with anyone else before. You know, some of our regrets, I would say, would be possibly from past relationships and mm-hmm. and even just little things. You know, you know, kissing for extended periods of time. Like, I I regret that because that's a little bit that I could not give to Dora in our marriage. Um, and uh, I would say that that's why you don't want to do that. You know there's there's something extremely special about taking on taking that on as a newlywed couple um and it's important to go through those things together to learn them together
1: so so obviously conjugal love between a man and a woman is a language it's a language it's a lang- it's a height of what one can physically give to another that says i give you all of me so it's worth our considering If we're giving what says all of me, without it corresponding to the circumstance, we'll say marriage, that says all of you, isn't it kind of a lie? Yeah. You know, I'm going to give you my whole body, everything I got, all of me, and then of course um, we know the psychology, sociology, and even the physical stats, like, uh, you know, metallic duct tape, that when people come together the first time, it's got that powerful God designed bond, um, that sticks together. And, uh, you know, if you pull that apart, you see what happens. It's less adhesive. And we know even now with neuro neuro uh, neurology that, um, uh, the dopamine is designed to bond a husband and a wife together. And how many, you know, how much more that that takes, how much it diminishes, if you will, with each new partner. And again, as you said, I like that, Joe. There's transformation. There's healing. Absolutely. The Holy Spirit can do amazing, amazing things. But you experienced, by and large, God's design. Um, So I want to ask another hard question. So as you're talking about marriage, I think one of the key mistakes that married couples make, well, number one, in the big picture is, God, what's your will? What do you want? And one of the ways that many married couples um, maybe don't get that or ask that question is they get locked into double incomes, And they max out uh, their house, their dream house, and their cars, or whatever, and then they never see each other. Yeah. And their children, so there's stresses. There's a dual stress, and the house never becomes a home. Mm -hmm. And um, so what what was your discernment process? Because clearly you chose to be a single income home and. To live within your means and the financial part woven into that, because that was the best way to experience what God wanted for you. Share with us your process in discerning that and why you chose what you did.
0: Well, it was it was not an easy discernment to come to. Um, I had just graduated with my degree in accounting, and I had a job that I loved. And um, you know, so originally we were planning on trying to make it work with both of us working. Um, but just, you know, going through the logistics of it, we realize how much we would be losing and, um, you know, yeah, we would, we would have that, um, we would definitely have, you know, that, that greater income and we would be able to save up for a house faster. We would be able to, um. You know, not have to be so tight with our spending, um, but we would never see each other. Yeah, you know, and, and and we wanted to make sure that either he or I could be be able to care for Naomi. Um, that was really important to us.
3: Homeschooling also, yeah, something that we both we both wanted.
0: And I and you know, I knew we both knew that I wasn't going to be working forever. Yep, um, but just making that decision that even in these early years, this is, you know, the foundation of the rest of our life together. Yeah.
3: We we needed that foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't want, want the world to really tell us how we're supposed to live our marriage, which is so often that you have to have money. Um, both parent both parents need to be working or both spouses need to be working. Um, ultimately, you know, we felt that that would be a detriment to our marriage and we wouldn't be able to be as strong as we possibly can be. And, it's important that we have strong marriages because ultimately marriage is the vocation that fosters all vocations without solid marriages. People cannot discern whether they're called to religious life called be married. And I think that's part of why we see that crisis of, of vocations to the priesthood and to the sisterhood now is because we don't have strong families. They let what the world says they're supposed to do run their fam their, their household. Mm -hmm. They're not making time for prayer. They're not making time for one another. Um, ultimately, finances has become their idol god,
1: and it's not gonna it's not gonna make them any happier. So, my brother-in-law, who I respect and admire greatly, Keith, um, had four beautiful children, and uh, didn't make more than forty thousand dollars. His wife, very gifted, very talented, could have gone all the way through college and done well, also. But really, it came down to uh, God's design of living abundantly, the unsurpassed gift of relationship. There's nothing that surpasses the relationship. You can go to the most beautiful, exotic place if you don't have your wife with you. It's great, but the biggest piece is missing. You get to the biggest, beautiful house. If you don't have that relationship, it's empty. It's vacuous. And I would say with our children, to form them, is there anything more important than fostering in them the heart for the kingdom, a, a, a character and quality and virtue for the kingdom. And can anybody do it better than a parent? Absolutely not. So Keith put it to me this way He said, We didn't have children. It sounds harsh, by the way, folks. And I get it out there and I get it to challenge and I get this is controversial, but I do think it needs to be said. Keith said, um, We did not have other children. We did not have children for other people to raise them. Yeah. We didn't have children for other people to raise them, so I don't want to be pointing a condemning finger to anybody who's listening right now, but I do believe this is a epic challenge for young women today who are even faithful, Catholic, believing women in that, that struggle, and I think often what I hear them say is, at least I'm not. At least they're not in daycare, some of them are, unfortunately, where mm-hmm. at least my mom can watch them, and... I see more and more young families that aren't making a lot of money, single income, that are coming to this decision. Unfortunately, we're having to come in for a landing. We're going to have to have you guys back. This has really been a blessed conversation of the wondrous cross, wondrous love, uh, that marriage images of Christ. So, folks, just join us in a prayer here as we close tonight. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord, we... In this Lenten season, want to be all the more aware of you who are love, to see in your life and the way you lived it the nature of love, pouring yourself out for the good of others. Awaken us in our marriages in particular and families to live this out fully. Give us your grace and virtue. We lift it up to the glory of your name through Christ our Lord. Amen.